Our loving Father in heaven, glory, praise, honor, and adoration be unto your holy name. For your goodness and your mercy shown and bestowed upon us so abundantly. We are grateful, Lord, for your mercy and your kindness. We see it in the food we eat. We see it in the protection that we get from you. Your love and watch care towards us, we, un- we understand and we say glory be unto your name, O Lord. We want our lives to be a glory and a praise to your name. We want to be children of the Lord who will be representatives of you on this earth. Therefore, Lord, we ask for help from you. We know that without you we can do nothing. Therefore, we pray, guide us, lead us, protect us. May your words today be an instruction to show us the way of righteousness. Grant us of your spirit that it may give us power to become sons of God. God, power to do your will. Lord, I give myself to you and I pray put your words in my mouth for the sake of your children who are going to be listening, that they may find the way of life and not the way to death, that they, through these instructions, might be led to your kingdom. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, April 5 Too Drunk to Care Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 Nadab and Abihu would never have committed that fatal sin had they not first become partially intoxicated by the free use of wine. They understood that the most careful and solemn preparation was necessary before presenting themselves in the sanctuary where the divine presence was manifested. But by intemperance, they were disqualified for their holy office. Their minds became confused and their moral perceptions dulled so that they could not discern the difference between the sacred and the common. To Aaron and his surviving sons was given the warning, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink, that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean. The use of spirituous liquors has the effect to weaken the body, confuse the mind, and debase the morals. It prevents men from realizing the sacredness of holy things or the binding force of God's requirements. All who occupied positions of sacred responsibility were to be men of strict temperance, that their minds might be clear to discriminate between right and wrong, that they might possess firmness of principle and wisdom to administer justice and to show mercy. The same obligation rests upon every follower of Christ. To the Church of Christ in all ages is addressed the solemn and fearful warning. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 The case of Aaron's sons has been placed upon record for the benefit of God's people and should teach those especially who are preparing for the second coming of Christ that the indulgence of depraved appetite destroys the fine feelings of the soul 
and so affects the reasoning powers which God has given to man that spiritual and holy things lose their sacredness. Disobedience looks pleasing instead of exceeding sinful. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Too Drunk to Care. Our key text is taken from the book of Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 which says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Looking at the story of Aaron's two sons, Nadab and Abihu, and what they did in offering that strange fire before the Lord, and the irreverence they showed to God, we understand that one of the reasons, the major reason why this happened is that they were drunk with wine. They came into the presence of God intoxicated with strong drink. And because of that, they could not put a difference between the sacred and the common. They couldn't put a difference and make a right judgment or even remember that the Lord told them a way to do things. And even if they remembered, because of the influence of their intoxication from the wine, they didn't properly judge and they lightly regarded the instructions and did something that was not right in God's sight and the Lord destroyed them. After the Lord destroyed them, in Leviticus 10, reading from verse 4, we see it says, And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses said. And Moses said unto Aaron, and unto Eleazar, and unto Ithamar his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest you die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. For the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. Now, Moses had told Aaron what he should, he should do. Now God comes to talk to Aaron to give him instruction after the death of his two sons. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink, thou nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, and that you may put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord had spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. God gave his reasons why he said they shouldn't take the alcoholic drinks. And his reason is given that he wants them to be able to put a difference between what is holy and what is not holy, what is clean and what is not clean. And he wants them to be in a position to teach the children of Israel, not some of the statutes, all of it that God had spoken. In other words, God understands that the use of stimulants, in this case alcohol, alcohol is something that will cloud the mind and will render the person who takes it unable to rightly divide the word of truth and properly make decisions. The person will be put in a position where they cannot see what is holy anymore and what is not holy and what is clean and what is not clean. 
Like we read in our devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 101, paragraph 2, the use of spirituous liquors as alcohol has the effect to weaken the body, confuse the mind, and debase the morals. It prevents men from realizing the sacredness of holy things or the binding force of God's requirements. All who occupied positions of sacred responsibility were to be men of strict temperance, that their minds might be clear to discriminate between right and wrong, that they might possess firmness of principle and wisdom to administer justice and to show mercy. End of quote. The advantages of avoiding alcohol is great. And we see it here, first of all, that the alcohol, when it is taken, prevents humans from understanding the sacredness of holy things. As I read this, I remember people like Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy and many other serial killers. Most of them were under the influence of alcohol when they committed their crimes, especially people like Jeffrey Dahmer, killed 17 men, dismembered them, had sex with their body, and he himself is a man, by the way. This kind of act was always done under the influence of alcohol. And then Ted Bundy admitted to killing nothing less than 31 women. His lawyer says it was even up to 100. Young people, 12-year-old girls, he would kill them and sleep with their dead bodies, but always under the influence of alcohol. The statistics tells us that more than 50% of all accidents, either both people involved are, are that's road accidents, either both people involved are under the influence of alcohol or one person is under the influence of alcohol. Stimulants are terrible and alcohol is one of them. Not just alcohol now as we talk about this, we are talking about any stimulant, even the drugs, methamphetamines, cocaine, marijuana, cigarettes, all these things, they affect the mind and that's why the Lord said it should not enter our body. Remember that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, we have been told, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Lord wants to dwell in this body and it matters what you do with it. It matters what you put inside it. Just as the temple of the Lord, nothing evil, nothing unholy was to enter into that temple, so also with us, nothing that defiles must enter into our bodies. Only the priests who were to sanctify themselves holy, and these priests we are referring to are the children of Aaron, set aside for, for God's purpose, and there was a way they were supposed to take care of themselves. They are the only ones that were permitted to enter into the temple. So also in this body temple, it is not just anything that is to enter in. The Lord has given a lot this, enough instruction on this. When God created man in the beginning, in Genesis 1 verse 29, man was told what is best for him to eat. He was told that the best thing for him to eat is a plant-based diet. And even after sin, God didn't change it. The only change that was brought in after Adam sinned was that he was told to eat herbs for the healing of his body. But when the eating of flesh foods came, which is also a stimulant just like alcohol, man's body started to degrade. And we are suffering today. Today it is common knowledge that animal-based diet is a stimulant and it destroys, it affects the body negatively. It's common knowledge that the plant-based diet is the best for the body. Just like alcohol and drugs, 
these things also affect which is the milk the egg the mayonnaise the salad creams that people take sugar is another stimulant uh, caffeine in the teas nicotine also in the, uh, in the tea and coffees these things are affecting the body negatively how they confuse the mind they debase the morals they prevent us from reala- realizing the difference between sacred things and the things that are not sacred and we are told that all of us in conflict and courage which 101 paragraph 3 we are told the same obligation rests upon every follower of christ to the church not just the priest now to the church of christ in all ages is addressed the solemn and fearful warning if any man defile the temple of god him shall god destroy for the temple of god is holy which temple you are first corinthians 3 verse 17 and then the end of quote now what did aaron represent aaron was a priest and the lord himself spoke to Aaron and his sons. It was not a case of uh, Moses hearing from God and God coming to tell Aaron. No. After this incident, God came to speak to Aaron and told him, do not take alcohol. In this Hebrew wilderness wanderings, as the children of Israel are leaving Egypt and going to Canaan, what do we represent? These things represent us today. We are the priests. What does the Bible say? Many of us love to quote that passage, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what do we represent today? Every single child of God who believes in Jesus is a royal priesthood. The law that applies to the priests applies to us as god instructed them not to take alcohol or any stimulant or anything at all that will becloud the mind that we defile the body so also the lord instructs us today not one child of god is to take not even a glass of alcohol in revelation 1 verse 6 again the lord tells us what he wants us to be it says and he has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Also in First Peter 2 verse 5, we are told, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. So we are all houses, we are temples, spiritual one, and holy priesthood. And we are also likened to a priest to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We have our high priest. Who is he? Jesus Christ. He is in heaven. We are told that we have a high priest. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1. We have a high priest in heaven. We are the priest while Jesus is the high priest. That is what we are today. Every child of God. It is not the system where some people are selected as priests and others are not. No. Every child of God is a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And as we read, we are a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. 1 Timothy 2 verse, 1 Peter 2 verse 5. What does the Lord then say for priests? Like we have read, do not take any strong drink or wine. And then in Proverbs 31, talking about kings and priests. Remember, Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 says that the Lord has made us kings and priests everyone who is going to make it to the kingdom of god will be crowned a king and will also be a priest in the temple of the lord now what does the lord want for us proverbs 31 what is what is the instruction to kings reading now verse 1 the words of king lemuel the prophecy that his mother taught him what my son and what the son of my womb and what the son of my vows give not thy strength unto women nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. So what is that that destroyeth kings? 
It is not for kings, O Lemuel. You can put your name there. It is not for kings, O Samuel, O Rebecca, O Princess, whatever your name is. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto them that is ready to perish, and wine unto them that are of heavy heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. And if you read the book of Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, you will understand that those who are ready to perish are those who do not love the truth. Second Thessalonians 2, reading from verse 10, it says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, hmm, strong drink, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, when you read give wine to, to those who are ready to perish, not referring to anybody you see that is ready to die, just go and give them wine. No, they are talking of spiritually now those who will not listen to the word of god they are the ones who should be taking such things not the people who are of god the lord tells us that there is woe for those who take alcohol proverbs chapter 23 reading from verse 29 it says who hath woe who hath sorrow who hath contentions who hath babbling who hath wounds without cause who hath redness of eyes and the answer comes they that tarry long at the wine they that go to seek mixed wine look not upon the wine when it is red when it giveth his color in the cup when it moveth itself aright at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder thine eyes shall behold strange women and thine heart shall utter perverse things yea thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea or he that lieth upon the top of a mast they have stricken me shall thou say and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. What a terrible situation for people to be in. Like I said earlier, people who are under the influence of alcohol or any of the drugs which are intoxicating and stimulating, they find it difficult or impossible to put the difference between that, is which, that which is holy and that which is not holy. And that's why they can easily take the lives of others. And you see reckless driving, but they cannot realize that their life is holy and the life of others. And then they do things that many cannot do when they are under their own normal senses. We just read now that those who take alcohol has woe. What is the woe? Isaiah 5, reading from verse 11 says, Woe unto them that rise up in the early in the morning that they may follow strong drink that continue until night till wine inflame them verse 20 woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him therefore as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the staff 
so their root shall be as rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. This is the woe that is unto those who are taking alcohol. Are you among those who are calling people, let's go for the party, let's go to the club. Oh, take one bottle on my head. God says to you, woe unto them that wake up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink. And he says, woe unto him that also gives to his neighbor wine to drink. That is Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 15. He says, woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink that puttest thy bottle to him and makest him drunken also that thou mayest look on their nakedness the lord has a lot to say about these things but will you ask the question why is wine rebuked in such heavy terms in such heavy terms why has the lord placed such a curse on those who give it to others or those who take it because of its intoxicating and stimulating effect it is not only wine that has this effect, like I've said, but what are some of the effects of alcohol on the body? It has the short, short-term effects and the long-term effects. It causes lack of concentration, loss of coordination, loss of critical judgment. It causes mood swings in people when they wake up and say, oh, I'm, I'm sober, passing out. And some of them, they even throw up, they begin to vomit. Then the blood pressure is also affected. It leads to lowered inhibitions so that it, you, you cannot make right social judgments these are just at that moment when it is taken and the long-term effects oh wow it is much it can lead to memory loss it can lead to a damage of the liver many people are dying today their livers are have been working to remove the poison of alcohol and because of that the liver is damaged it leads to things like hepatitis even learning can be very difficult loss of attention span long-term effects and also it can lead to throat mouth breast, liver, colorectal, esophageal, larynx, and other kinds of cancers. High blood pressure also, stroke, cardiomyopathy, irregular heartbeat, steatosis, that is fatty, fatty liver disease. All of these things are long-term effects of alcohol. And also, anything that stimulates and intoxicates is to be avoided. Like I've said, cigarettes, sugar, sugary drinks, animal-based diets, drugs, they are all condemned and it's our duty to know the ingredients in the foods that we take before eating them. We are to know what we are putting into our bodies because they sure have an effect on our judgment and perceptions and our will and our reasoning. See, if our faculties are compromised, because it's our faculties that we use to make decisions and have a good character, that is your will, perception, uh, imagination, memory, conscience, intuition and uh, the likes, if these things are compromised, then it will affect your character. It will affect your character. That is sure. The will is affected by alcohol. The reasoning powers is affected. You cannot even see things and judge it properly. Imagine where somebody is beaten and then they will say, Oh, I was, I'm, I'm sailing in a sea. Your perception is dulled. This is why God says the child of God should not take alcohol. It defiles the temple. It opens the way for evil spirits to possess the body. There's a connection between the body and the mind, the spiritual and the physical, and alcohol bridges that gap. It connects the physical, the body is used as a, as a vehicle for the evil spirits to come in through the senses. And this is why the Lord said we should avoid it. Today, the drunkenness also has a spiritual connotation. People are drunk but not with wine. They are drunk with the wine of Babylon 
and they cannot tell the difference between the sacred and common, the Bible uses this issue of wine to tell us a message that is spiritual. You know, the problem with the wine is that when it comes in, it compromises the body and then they start to take actions that are not in harmony with God's will. In Revelation 18, uh, we are, there's something described there that is a message for all of us today. Revelation 18, reading from verse 1 says, And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues, for her sins have reached unto heaven. And God hath remembered her iniquities, reward her, even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works, in the cup which she had filled, fill to her double how much she had glorified herself and lived deliciously so much torment and sorrow give her for she said in her heart i sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow therefore shall her plagues come in one day death and mourning and famine and she shall be utterly burned with fire for strong is the lord that judgeth her hmm. why such strong statements against this thing called Babylon, this woman called Babylon. The Bible represents a woman as a church. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 2 says, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. So the daughter of Zion, which is God's church, represents a comely and delicate woman. And this woman, Babylon, it's, it's, not a, it's also a church. Both are churches. One is a, the good church and the other is a church that doesn't represent God, an apostate church. Babylon represents the church in apostasy and God is telling us that what is causing this apostasy is the wine of Babylon. Just as wine makes people to be unable to distinguish between the sacred and the common, so also the Lord likens the effect of wine as a false doctrine. False doctrines lead to destruction and takes people farther away from God while they are thinking that they are fine. So also does wine mix dr the drunk to say the the Bible says that the, that wine will do to the person who is drunk that he would that he will be as he that lies in the midst of the sea or as he that lies upon the top of a mast. That means when things are going wrong, he'll be things are thinking that all is going well, and then he would say, "They have stricken me, and I was not sick. Thou hast beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again." Hmm intoxicate what does it mean for something to intoxicate it means to excite to madness or enthusiasm the problem with wine is its intoxicating power but it is not only wine that does this like i said there are many other things that stimulate and they all should be avoided the wine of babylon also does the same thing they are poisons poisonous doctrines brought into the soul that looks like food it is not food but it is destroying the body just as wine verily destroys the body god says that the world the whole world is intoxicated with the wine of babylon and the instruction for us is come out of babylon do not drink her wine anymore doctrines do not participate of those 
soul destroying doctrines doctrines like eternal born in hell purgatory man being a tripartite being penance indulgences sunday sacredness bowing to idols auricular confession the unmarried priesthood infant baptism the immaculate conception of mary jesus having a different flesh from ours and saying oh jesus had an advantage over us all these kind of things and even the the uh transubstantiation where they say god is created and we eat his flesh and drink his blood also those practices his beliefs are the wine of babylon and these beliefs leads to practices that are not in harmony with god's will for this reason the call is made come out of her and be not partakers of her sins and of her plagues you see what happened to nadab and abihu when they took the wine strange fire followed when they took the alcohol what followed was strange fire which is a strange practice that is not coming from god there was a fire from the lord already which represents the manner in which god wants things to be done which represents the ordination of things that god has ordained in his worship services and our practices but when these boys took that alcohol they brought strange fire so also with us when we take in the wine of babylon the doctrines it leads to practices that are not from god for example look at what these wines of babylon for example when one believes oh that anybody who baptized then that's what makes you to be saved it's not about keeping god's commandments it's not about necessarily believing in jesus just baptism oh mark 16 16 whosoever believes and is baptized shall be saved that is it just baptize the person what does it need to you now start to baptize infants they don't need to believe you just need to baptize them sprinkle on them and then it leads to all other different kinds of baptisms that are not in harmony with God's word. How about the one that they read the Bible where it says in John 6 that when Jesus was saying, Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood, he will have eternal life. What does it lead to? A wrong interpretation. The wine of Babylon says, Oh, we need to go and get Jesus' flesh. Now, the priest now claims to have the power to convert something that is created by man's hand and he says a mantra over that thing and then they say that it has turned to the flesh of jesus and the wine is the actual blood of jesus that they, they have done something called transubstantiation this is the practice that is a strange fire but it came from the wine when you take such a wine where you believe that if you eat the flesh of jesus and drink his blood you have to go and start looking for jesus flesh and blood so it leads them to creating it this is the wine of babylon leading to a strange fire again another wine is where people believe that man has power to forgive sins and you notice that this wine is gotten from the word of god but a perverted word say so also with real wine it is a perversion of things that are from god like grape and many other plants when those things got get perverted it ferments into something called wine and then when we take it instead of being helpful to us it confuses the mind so that you cannot differentiate between the sacred and the common so also these wines of babylon they are coming from the word of god but a perversion a misinterpretation of scriptures not rightly dividing the word of truth and corrupting the word when the word gets corrupted just as when the fruit gets corrupted it brings forth wine so also when the word gets corrupted it brings forth wine and whoever swallows that wine gets intoxicated and begins to do things that are not in harmony with god's word i'll continue another one of the things that are a wine of babylon is when we say man has the power to forgive sins oh my this is one of the most wicked of the wines and the previous one i also mentioned about the mass where they are eating saying they're eating jesus's flesh and drinking his blood and i say these things with respect i know that many people are not aware of this 
it is a call for us to go and study the word of God. God is telling you, come out of Babylon and stop taking the wine of Babylon. It is making you not to do the things the Lord wants you to do and making you not to place a difference between the sacred and the common. It is causing your judgment not to be right and you are permitting things that are not in harmony with God's word because of the beliefs that you have. The foundation of your beliefs is the wine of Babylon. Come out is what the Lord is saying. Man has the power to forgive sins. That's another wine. And it's still gotten from the word of God. Where God told the disciples, whosoever sins you remit and they remitted and all of that. And then they now start to attribute to man something that, that man cannot do. What do we read in the book of um, Psalms chapter 51? Where David was confessing his sins to God. He said, against thee, against thee only have I sinned. And then also, we are told in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2, where Jesus saw that paralytic. In verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Going on, he says, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves he said unto them why reason you these things in your heart whether it is easier to say the sick of the to the sick of the palsy thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk and verse 10 he then says but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins only the lord has power to forgive sins but when you believe that man has power to forgive sins what does it lead to the auricular confession where men are confessing gruesome things to their fellow men as if those men themselves do not need to confess to someone else and the other man believes that he actually has the power to say to someone thy sins be forgiven thee and things that they are not supposed to hear the secret things of people's lives they are listening to it because they think that they have the power to forgive sins and those others are confessing it thinking that they will receive pardon from men and eventually what is the damning thing of this the damnable part of this is that the people are never going to jesus they are going to men and if they are not going to jesus to receive forgiveness of sins then where is their sin who is forgiving them their sins their sin will remain because they are not confessing it to christ they have the man has come in between the people and jesus Whereas we are supposed to have direct access to Jesus. You see what the wine of Babylon is doing? It is cutting the people away from Jesus. Another wine of Babylon is Sunday sacredness, where there is the belief that the first day of the week is sacred, whereas the Bible teaches that it is the seventh day of the week. Another, another wine of Babylon is the unmarried priesthood, like I mentioned earlier. What does it lead to? adultery in many places so much abortion is done in many of these convents uh, what is going on there is things there are things that if, if the world knew oh my a lot of unfaithfulness unmarried priesthood another one is where we talk about the man who has a saying that man has an immortal soul that means it will lead us to saying that man can born in hell burn in hell forever and ever and will not perish but have everlasting life now it is no longer those that believe in Jesus that have everlasting life. If man has an immortal soul, then what are we looking for Jesus for? Is it not Jesus that gives everlasting life? Now the wicked also has everlasting life except that he's going to be burning in hell forever and ever. And how does he affect the mind of a sensible person who thinks that if man has lived just a few years, 30 years, 20 years, 40, 100, even 900 years, and he lived a life of wickedness, 
and the punishment of God on him is that God will make him burn forever and ever. What was his crime? He lived 900 years in evil. Why then would the Lord give him more than 900 years of punishment? Is that no wickedness and cruelty? Now, this belief that people do not actually die, but they, when they, that the man has immortal soul, immortality in himself already, it's already leading us to misunderstand God and to claim that God is going to practice such cruelty on man. But we are told in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, that it's only God who hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, who no man hath seen nor can see. Now, we are saying that humans have immortality. When even angels don't have it, even the devil is going to burn to ashes. He's not going to live forever and ever. If the devil is going to burn to ashes, why are we saying that humans are going to burn forever and ever and ever? Where the Bible teaches very clearly in the book of Ezekiel 28 that the devil will be burned to ashes. So who is going to be in hell? Humans? These are things that the wine of Babylon is bringing and is bringing in wrong practices because when people believe that they people are not dead and they want their, their people to be in heaven what happens they claim that when people die they go straight to heaven and now that's another wine and what does it lead to you start to pray to saints instead of praying to jesus praying to god we start to pray to saint saint anthony pray for us saint this pray for us believing that uh, man has the power to do things for them but then it make opens an inroad for the devils to come in because when we believe in the wine that men are not really dead then the devil takes the form of the familiar spirit and appears to people as dead loved ones so much marian apparitions here and there with marian shrines people are having communications with demons and this is the reason why the lord is saying come out of her my people come out of babylon you have drank the wine believing that the dead are not really dead it leads people to knocking on doors where dead are it needs people it leads people to be saying oh my my dead father I, I he's looking down from heaven or he's looking on me down from heaven he's protecting me and we have opened the ways for them to appear to us not the dead person but the devil takes that form of a familiar spirit a spirit of somebody you think you know coming into the life to give messages to people and then it leads to idolatry so many other wines of babylon when people think that oh it doesn't matter what you eat it doesn't matter how you dress all those things are still the wine of babylon what does it lead to it is cross-dressing it leads to what we have today people don't even know their gender anymore there's so much confusion in the world those who are involved in their sports now they are confused they don't even know who is man or woman anymore ah this this is what the wine of babylon is babylon causes confusion that's what Babylon means, confusion. And when you take the wine of Babylon, it causes confusion. Just as anybody who takes the literal wine is confused and cannot tell right and wrong anymore. Another wine of Babylon is the belief that we can be saved by our works. When people believe that they can be saved by works, what does it lead to? It means that when you commit sin, all you need to do is punish yourself a bit. Say some prayers and the rosary pray the rosary or just do some punishment kneel down and walk on the step up how many times and carry across a summon some number of times just do some penance that's what it's called and then sometimes they are even told they can pay indulgences this is what it leads to strange fire the wine always leads to strange fire when you have false perception or misinterpretation not rightly dividing the word of truth corrupting the word of god it will lead to strange fire and that is why 
it is not for us to take wine because taking the physical wine itself will lead to the corruption of the word of God and the corruption of the word of God will then lead to the strange fire. We are told the case of Aaron's sons had been placed upon record for the benefit of God's people and should teach those especially who are preparing for the second coming of Christ that the indulgence of depraved appetite destroys the fine feelings of the soul and so affects the reasoning powers which God has given to man that spiritual and holy things lose their sacredness. Disobedience looks pleasing instead of exceeding sinful. We have to be careful. All God's children have to be careful not to defile themselves with anything that intoxicates and stupefies the mind, both in food as doctrines and in food as the things we eat into and put into our bodies. May God help us. The call to us is, come out of her, my people. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, I pray that these words that have been spoken will be well received into the minds of your reasoning, faithful children. There might be some who are struggling with alcoholism. Friends whom we have who are struggling, we remember them today. And struggling with drugs too, we remember them today and we pray, Father. Many of them, it was of their own ignorance that they fell into it. Others maybe intentionally, but yet they need help. We pray that you would stretch forth your hands and help those who struggle. And there are those who are reveling in it. They don't see it as a struggle. They don't see it as something wrong. Lord, I pray that your word shall meet such a person. That possibly these words may help such a mind. That they would understand that if they love others and love themselves, that they would put this thing away from them and give them grace to do it. Help us also. There might be false doctrines, the wine of Babylon in our lives. Help us, Lord, to come out of Babylon. Help us, Lord, to stop taking the wine of Babylon and to change our beliefs to conform to your word that we may not offer to you strange fire but that we may give to you the sacred holy fire do this and take the glory in jesus name we pray amen